0: I'm going to talk today on growing in knowing God, but as we were in worship, God just brought to my mind that people outside of Christ, the Bible calls them, Holy Spirit calls them disobedient. Disobedient to what? Disobedient to being loved. (laughs) They don't know how much they're loved. And so they're not disobedient because they're sinners disobedience to God's love has bound them to being disconnected. I like to take the word sin and simply say you're disconnected. And there's no need for anyone to be disconnected from the love of God and to be connected continually. There's no need for anyone to be rebellious against love. You know, it's not that people in the world are evil and wicked. They end up sometimes and many times being bound to evil and wicked things. Because when you're disconnected from life, that's what happens. And there's a lot of good people that are bound to disobedience, and they don't need to be. And there's a lot of bad people bound to disobedience, and they don't need to be. So Holy Spirit is here, and Holy Spirit convicts of sin, convicts of disconnection. He doesn't condemn. He doesn't come to destroy. God has never, ever, 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 ever killed a sinner. He never will. Because sin is what kills people when they're disconnected. So I have disconnected moments. Oh, Holy Spirit, help me that I don't have as many disconnected moments from your love. And he convicts of righteousness. That means he helps us change. He helps us let go of some things and move forward in a relationship with God. So Holy Spirit's here today to convict of righteousness. That's not independent righteousness. That's dependency upon a relationship with God that actually changes our character, changes our nature, changes our way, even changes how we manifest power and are givers of life. And Holy Spirit also convicts of judgment because the ruler of this world is judge. Well, what does that mean? I think there's some stuff that is spiritual realities that tries to affect us. Even simple things like headaches, spirit, soul, or physical. Things that try to affect us. But Holy Spirit convicts of judgment. Why? The ruler of this world has been judged. There's nothing that has the power to hold us from the purpose of God in our life. Well, that was a good sermon right there in itself, wasn't it? (laughs) Now, as I'm getting ready to speak on growing and knowing God, the spirit part of me that sees things well in advance. I'm by nature prophetic. I see things that God wants us to see. I sometimes see it before others see it. I usually see it about 20 years before others see it. I'm not the only one that does that. There's other people in this room and thousands and thousands of people on planet earth that are like that. And uh, so there's something in me that's like ready to explode. Like I see, I know something in my spirit. That I can't know in my head, but I know it's real. It's kind of like being pregnant. Now I don't know what that's really like because I'm I'm a guy, right? I've never I've never been pregnant, but but I've experienced three pregnancies in the, in my other half. Or so, <laughs> and I got a few grandkids. So pregnancies have challenges, but they end up really good. They end up in really good things. Now God doesn't view things in just a lifetime we view things in a lifetime Uh, sometimes when I'm in the UK which is one of the places I'm involved I have several churches in England a couple in well three in Wales now and Northern Ireland so I go there sometimes and if you've ever been in that part of the world or seen videos or pictures of it you would know that there's all kinds of structures that are thousands of years old that are made of stone we have structures in America that are that old they just disintegrated because they didn't make them out of stone. Unless you go down to like Arizona where they carved in the in the hillsides people indigenous people from long ago made houses that don't disappear. But in England it's easy to see structures that haven't disappeared. And sometimes I have gone in the past to a hill, there are many green hills in England. I've gone up into a hill and I've looked over I've looked over and I've seen a lot of dreams, visions of people that came and were gone. When I drive to the Kootenays, I often drive up there. That's an eight-hour drive from here. I've got ministry connections in the Kootenays, north of Spokane in Canada. And so I drive through the mountains and... There's something in me personally that has this, you know, has always had this personal dream of a place in the forest where you can hunt, uh, where you can fish. Uh, That's my own personal desire. Uh, That dream probably will never come to pass in my life. Why? I found a greater dream. And I, I gave my life for a greater dream than my little cabin in the forest. But I love it when I see those things. I say, oh, they're living the dream. Some people would look at me and say, he travels the nations. He's living the dream. Well, that's not my dream. My dream is not to travel the nations. My dream is to have a cabin in the woods. (laughs) But I'll probably never see that dream, and it's more than okay, because God has invited me to be a part of a bigger dream. So I'm sure God's got me in mind. You know, hey, amazing thing is in the nations, like I got to hunt in Africa last year and I got a promise of a bigger hunt next year. So, hey, God knows my desires. <laughs> and I trust him with my desires because his desires in my heart fulfill a bigger purpose. But when I see those dreams, I, like I'm driving up to the Kootenays, I'll see a, a a place that had a barn and a corral and it's deteriorating. And I say, oh, there goes another one. There goes another dream. And I realized okay, we look at things in our lifetime, but God doesn't measure things in our lifetime. He measures them in eternity. And do you realize you are eternal? So if you're thinking about your lifetime, you're thinking way too small. Now, we have created a gospel, a good news gospel, that is defined by a lifetime. That's not the gospel that God came to give us. We define the gospel as where am I going to go when I die? That's not the question. The question is where are you living while you live? Because where you're living while you live will also determine where you're living beyond this life. And if you've embraced Jesus, you've already embraced resurrection life. You've already embraced life that is beyond death. So even a physical death doesn't end you. It just transitions you into a greater glory. And God has a big picture. See, Jesus didn't come because all kinds of people in the Old Testament were going to hell. He even says in Acts 17, man, every time I preach, I refer to Acts 17. must be imprinted in my spirit. He even says to people in Acts 17 who were bound to disobedience, who made things of wood and stone and iron that you would call idolatry, he said God overlooked their ignorance because they were trying to find God. But he said, but now God commands men everywhere to repent. Repent of what? Not repent of being evil. Not repent of making things of wood or stone or iron. Repent from being dead. Do that one on your own, Houdini. To repent from being dead is a gift from God. He grants you to come alive. So let me tell you the gospel in the simplest form. You ready? God made a way for you and I to be a temple of holy spirit. It be a place where God lives. Not just after we die but 7 days a week 24 hours a day. He made that possible for us individually and he made that possible for us corporately to be a temple of holy spirit. Now, when you know you're a temple of holy spirit, then you will influence your world in god and godly ways. You will bring life to your world. Now, every one of us is an individual expression of God, meant to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. And we all see the Holy Spirit a little differently in our spacious place. Some of us find God in that manifest presence of singing songs. Some of us find God in a manifest presence of in the forest. Some of us find God when we're digging through the Scripture and the Holy Spirit springs out at us. Man, it's amazing how diverse the sons and daughters of God are. But I'm here to tell you today, every one of us has to grow in knowing God. So how do we cultivate a desire to know God? God wants us to know Him in a deep and an intimate way. And God is not a power.
1: His power simply testifies of him.
0: God is a person. Mm. But we, because of our individual dreams, our individual desires, our finite condition and our finite thinking, our limited thinking, we think life is our lifetime. And so we're just, we think, hey, we're just like the people in the, before Jesus came. We're just living a lifetime. No, you're not like the people before Jesus came. And the people before Jesus came, they're not like they used to be either. You're like the people are right now on planet Earth. And those people who are before you, you're not, you're not reliving their life again. That, that's vanity. That's vain thinking. That's disobedience. That's the way the world thinks. You're not living another life like mom and dad had. You're living a greater life than mom and dad had. You're not. Okay, I got grandchildren. I got a granddaughter around here somewhere. She's not living the life of grandpa and grandma. Gopanoma. No she's living a greater life than Gopanoma. She's she's a, another measure in the journey of his story. We're, we're like. Paint strokes on a canvas painting a greater painting. We're like notes in a greater song than can be composed in one lifetime. We're like words in a poem that can't be expressed by one human being. We're we're paragraphs in a story that can't possibly be completed in one lifetime. God sees that. Your spirit knows it's true.
1: My spirit knows it's true.
0: My head says, what? But my spirit knows it's true. So I've got a God made a way for us to grow in knowing him, not knowing about him, but knowing him. Now, God's a trinity. He's revealed to us through three distinct persons in his being. And Holy Spirit is God. And he's been sent to us by God, our Father, in the name of Jesus, God's Son. John 14, verses 16 through 18. Jesus, with his disciples, by the way, you know Jesus in a greater way than the disciples did when Jesus was alive. I think I told you that the last time I talked to you. Wouldn't it have been great to be alive when Jesus was the Son of God on earth? Yeah, but it's greater now. And after Jesus rose after Jesus rose into heaven, he poured out his Holy Spirit, and the same guys knew him in a greater way then than they did when he ate fish with them along the sea. Okay, you can't get this if you think like in the world. But we're not going to think like people in the world today. We, you're not people in the world. People in the world are wonderful. I'm going to show you. This verse shows this. Look at this. I will pray. Jesus is saying to his disciples, I will pray the Father, and he will give you, my disciples, but also includes us. He will give you another helper. Now, let's take this verse at the time that Jesus said this. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you, my disciples, another helper, but unless people outside of this room right now come to know me, they'll never know that helper.
1: (laughs) That he may abide with
0: you forever. Now, how did the disciples know the helper? Who's the helper in Jesus' day? Jesus was the helper. How was he the helper? He was a temple of Holy Spirit. That's how he was helper. He was a helper because he would, He didn't do anything as God. He didn't consider equality with God as Father a, a crime. He knew who he was. He knew he was equal to God, but he didn't do anything as being equal to God. He did everything as being equal to any human being. Everything he did, he did as the Son of Man, not the Son of God. And he revealed that sons of men, male and female, can only truly be sons of men, male and female, if they are also sons and daughters of God. They must be temples of the Holy Spirit. Well, let's say that right. They must be temples of Holy Spirit. I'm saying that a little awkwardly, To let you know, if I said they must be temples of the God. They must be temples of the Jesus. That would be awkward, wouldn't it? But we've substituted temples of Holy Spirit for temples of of the Holy Spirit. And then our mind instantly changes to he visits us once in a while. He's a power of God. He's a person. (laughs) The most present. Of God on planet earth ever in the very beginning when the earth was formless void and dark Holy Spirit was there before God said and Holy Spirit was brooding because like a chicken over eggs Holy Spirit was over a formless void situation because he knew ah perfect 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 environment what a deal John 14, I'll pray the Father he'll give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Oh, okay, I can't condemn the world for that. They're blind. Okay, would you go out on the street, find somebody with a white cane with a red point on it and beat them up for being blind? Would you do that this week? What do you think? You got to go find a blind person and spit on them and say blind person. Okay. Are you going to go find somebody with a book of Braille and, and start mocking them and say, you rotten, blind person? Are you going to do that? Well, then we should never do that with a sinner. <laughs> they can't help. They can't see. So you need to be someone who can see as salt and light in their world. You need to be someone who knows God for the sake of those who don't know God. The message of the church is not shame on sinners or shame on the world. Oh, help us, help us, help us, Jesus. Help us, Holy Spirit. That's not the good news. That's not the good news. Our message is not I've come to save you from hell. Our message is I've come. He's come to reconnect you, to see you saved in life. Let your thoughts, your reasoning, your imagination, your emotions, your desires be filled with God's substance. Don't be people of disobedience another moment. Come on, be loved by God. Become an expression of his love. Become a partner with his love for his purpose in this earth. And then he says, because it neither sees him nor knows him, for he dwells in you, with you. He dwells with you, my disciples, and he will be in you. Whoa. I'll not leave you as orphans. Jesus is saying, the son is saying, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. The son is talking as the father now. The son is speaking as the father to children. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Even though he's, he's acting like a brother. He's also the manifestation of the Father. He says, I will come to you. That was a coming to them to be in them, a coming to them to be with them. Okay, these verses are true for us today. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day, God wants to be with you. God wants to be in you. Not just on Sundays. Not just when you decide to come to his room according to what you think his room is. But when you realize you are his room, and there's not a moment in your day where he's not in your room, everything you do, he's with you in. So you could say, oh, dear Jesus, thank you for this bad attitude that I have today that you can abide in. Thank you, Jesus, for this... Pleasurable moment of depression that I have embraced to be my companion and friend. (laughs) You can say, excuse me, Holy Spirit, do you mind turning your back a moment? I need to use the spiritual toilet. (laughs) He's never embarrassed. He's never ashamed. He'll never leave you. There's nothing that you can do that he doesn't think is everyday life. <laughs> so to develop our relationship with God, we must practice responding to Holy Spirit within us. Jesus said this in John 7, 37 through 39. On the last day, the great day of the feast, that would be tabernacles when God says, would you come with your tent around my tent? And would you let my tent be the inspiration of your tent and would you let your tents be an inspiration to one another would you realize we've had an awesome 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 year of harvest and we're ready to experience rest with one another so we can have another awesome year of harvest that's tabernacle so the great day of the feast that's the feast he's talking about he cries out he says if anyone thirsts Let him come to me and drink. As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of his heart will flow rivers of life-giving water. Out of her heart, his heart will flow rivers, plural, of life-giving water. You think you're thirsty? No, you live in a desert. So let me fix this. Come on and drink and from inside of you will flow waters to your desert. Your wilderness will become a garden because of me flowing out of your life, life life-giving water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit for actually in the Greek it says for Holy Spirit. The word the is added there. If you have a a, a, a Bible that is a, italics, or if you're having a Bible that's highlighting the words, the word the is not there. It says, for believing in him would receive, for Holy Spirit was not yet given. Or the Holy Spirit was not yet given is added to, to explain it, but because Jesus was not yet glorified. So has Jesus been glorified? Is he risen from the dead? Is he seated at the right hand of the Father? Hey, we can picture it. Can you picture it? Jesus rose from the dead, ascended into heaven in bodily form. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and the kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdoms of our Lord and Christ. Can you buy that? I buy it. Hey. I don't believe the kingdoms are one day to become. Uh, Yeah, they one day will be, but mine's already becoming. How about yours? Increasingly, kingdoms are becoming kingdoms of our Lord and Christ. Okay? Yet, there's a culmination, a maturation, a fullness of that. Okay? Okay, But the Holy Spirit is, is given to us now. Holy Spirit is given to us now, which was not possible before Jesus came. Holy Spirit came in measure, Some people, like King David, experienced it. John was even filled with Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. But it wasn't a common event. It wasn't the ordinary event. Jesus made the extraordinary, the ordinary event of the tongues, tribes, peoples, and nations. So Holy Spirit's been given. So Holy Spirit is God in our lives. Holy Spirit is God in your life, in my life. And we must respond to him because we're loved by Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit is God in us. Holy Spirit is God with us. Holy Spirit is God upon us. He even said you're going to be clothed in Holy Spirit. What is in you is going to spill over, and you're going to be clothed in what is in you. So you'll be clothed in power. You'll be clothed to become a witness of me.
1: God doesn't need you to be a witness for Jesus. He needs you to be a witness of Jesus.
0: He doesn't need you to tell people about Jesus. He wants you to demonstrate him and then explain it. Demonstrate his love. And then when asked, explain what that is. Demonstrate his fruit. And when asked, explain what that is. Demonstrate his power. Demonstrate his healing. Come on, did you feel that this morning in worship? His presence was here. Come on. Come on, did you feel it? It's Jesus. So there was enough evidence of Jesus in the room this morning, for sure, in the room. Did you sense his presence in you? I hope. you got to practice responding to it. So Holy Spirit's in us. Now, God doesn't just reveal these things in our lives. They are revealed as we willingly respond to God. Let's look at another scripture, Mark 16, verse 17. These signs will follow those who believe. But none of these signs will follow those who choose not to believe. Oh, that's not in there, but it is. (laughs) Okay. These signs will follow those who believe. Who believes? These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. Have you ever cast one out? I have many times. Why did I cast one out? Because it needed to be cast out. Have you a, a, a parents, have you ever changed a poopy diaper? I hope so. Why? Because it needed to be
1: changed. For the sake of your
0: world, it needed to be changed. For the sake of your child, it needed to be changed. Hey, those who work in the, in the learning center, come on. Do you clean up those kids down there? Do you, Evelyn? For the sake of the whole learning center, you do, don't you? Yeah? So, so you have the ability. Someone, someone lives inside of you who casts out demons. So, oh, that's for the preacher.
1: Oh, you mean you're not the preacher?
0: Okay. So, if you don't believe you can, you'll look for somebody who can, and then you'll miss being dependent upon the one who can, who lives inside of you. What does it look like? I don't care what it looks like. (laughs) I don't care. Oh, but how do you do it? Well, figure it out. (laughs) Someone lives inside of you who casts stuff out. Oh, Thank you. Okay, cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. Do you speak with new tongues? Well, many of you don't because you're too stuck in the old tongues. Your old tongues are telling you new tongues aren't real.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. Well, why do I need it? I need it myself because I uh, I'm convinced I'm stuck in old tongues. I'm convinced my old language. Okay. So I I'm gonna I'm gonna willing if it's just a huh, I'm going there. Okay. There's something inside of me that goes beyond my reasoning. If my reasoning won't let the one who lives inside of me be weird to me, then I'm the weird one. I'm I'm just being honest. Okay? These signs will follow those who believe. You're like an elephant with a trunk, but if you don't let the things inside of you out, you're like an elephant without a trunk. And you live in a world of trunkless elephants. And you can fashion your life by trunkless elephants, or you can say the ones with the trunks are the ones I need to be like. You say, well, I don't want to be weird. Well, come on. You live in a world that's been confused for thousands of years, and they're pretending they're not, for goodness sakes. You live in a world, you live in a world of people who are disobedient to God's love. Don't shame them. Don't condemn them. They're disobedient to God's love. They don't know it. But they're confused, and they're pretending that's the normal world. They hold elections by that. They decide what happens for the future by that, by confusion. And we think it's normal. Heaven breaks in, and it sounds different. And we say, oh, that's so confusing. We've been practicing being confused and calling it normal. Normal. If God doesn't do, if you don't allow God to do something in your life that's strange to you, then you are very strange to God. I have a theory. I'll never ask you to do something I won't
1: do. think you'd be surprised what I'll do.
0: But compared to God, I'm not doing much yet. I've discovered the worst thing in life not being wrong. That's not the worst thing. That's pride that says that. Worst thing in life, well, what if I'm wrong? Well, awesome, you're wrong already. Might as well try. <laughs> the worst thing's not being wrong. Worst thing's being dead. Don't die dead. Whatever you do, don't die dead. Got to be at my family reunion, told my nephew that. And he thought, well, that was good theology. So I said, don't, whatever you do, don't die dead. Die with a great relationship with God. And you'll enter the next thing in a greater glory than you leave this thing, okay, so speak with new tongues, all about the take up serpents. What is that? okay, some churches they actually take up snakes. I don't think that's what he's talking about. What's the first mention of a serpent in the Bible? Do you know the first mention of a serpent in the Bible? Shout it out the snake in the garden, right, and deceived Eve didn't didn't he? Came in the form of a snake. The devil came in the form of a serpent to deceive. Wherever there's a serpent in the Bible, it's a deceiving spirit. A religious spirit is the greatest deceiving spirit of all. A deceiving spirit. To take up serpents, I like that word. They'll take up. That word take up is the same words you would use when lifting an anchor of a ship with sails so the wind can blow in the sails and make it set sail. The Greek words are like nautical terms of lifting an anchor. In other words, this thing in your life, this deception is going to be driven out when you let it go. The wind of the Spirit, make it set sail. There's a Holy Spirit inside of you is the power for deception to go. And if you drink anything deadly, Come on, I travel the planet. I have drunk a few deadly things. Goodness sakes, you live in Whatcom County. You've drunk enough deadly things. You you live in America. You drink deadly things all the time. Goodness sakes, you probably watch television. And you drank some deadly things. But by no means will they harm you if you recognize who practice responded to the one who lives inside of you. You know how powerful deadly things are? Okay, I'm going to do an illustration right here, right here. You want to see a deadly thing?
1: It's dead. The one inside of you is alive. That's why no deadly thing can destroy you. Now, I also believe.
0: Physically, it works. Paul got bit by a snake, and it was deadly, and he didn't die. Uh, I know our brother Andrew drank a tea in Pakistan that was enough to kill him, and he didn't die. They made the tea from the cesspool that he walked through to get to them. They scooped it up. It was brown. They boiled it. It had brown floaties on it, and they made a special tea, and he drank it. So that he could preach the gospel to them. He didn't die. So I know it can work physically. But it's not just physical. I'm just telling you, God inside of you needs to get outside of you. It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. How many of you have laid hands on the sick? Raise your hands. Okay. Okay. I've done this survey before. Did somebody get healed? Okay, how many of you laid hands on the sick and they did not get healed? Okay, wonderful. Keep practicing. For those of you that didn't lay hands on anybody, do you have hands? Then you should get busy practicing. Okay, uh, you can do like as a guy named... uh, well, his name's Dave Dwell. Dave Dwell, I think it is. He he was a he was a rancher in Colorado. He's a he's a minister now. I think he's still alive. He's a well known minister, but he was a rancher and he started laying hands on sick cows and sick horses, and they got healed. He and then he got called to speak at a, a at a place because they heard he was he was bringing healing, but he'd never spoken about people before. And he was freaking out, going there, thinking, I know how to heal mastitis and cows. I I know how to heal horses, but I've never prayed for people before. And so he gets up, and he said he did the worst preaching he'd ever done in his life. And there were a 1,000 people there. He was freaking out. And he thought, I'm just going to get out of here. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to call for healing. I'm going to count to 10. Nobody comes forward. I'm out of here. They'll never see me again. He closed his eyes, and he's hoping maybe somebody with a headache will respond. I'll pray for them. Their headache will go away. And somebody with a wheelchair responded and came forward. So he laid hands on them. They got out of the wheelchair and walked. Okay. But you know what? It happened because he laid his hands on somebody. So lay hands on somebody. You know, even somebody who doesn't know God and they say, oh, I'm not feeling too good. You could say, do you mind if I pray for you? I bet they'll say yes. And then just, then just put your hand on them and be discerning. Just listen to the voice in you. And you might say, oh, God, thank you. Thank you for your presence right now. Just release your presence. Would you, would you just release your healing right now? Okay. Don't get religious. Don't think you have to explain it. I was going into a country one time, and the, the preacher thought he had to explain us. I said, don't tell them anything. It was illegal for preachers to go into the country. So I said, if they ask what I do, tell them I'm a teacher. You want to know what I teach? I teach people how to be good citizens in countries, how to be great dads, moms, how to be great employers and employees. That's not a lie. That's what I do. How do I teach that? Well, realize you're a son and daughter of God and be a practical reality. That's how I teach it. But all they need to know is I teach people how to live in cultures and to be valuable citizens to their community. The Bible says when the righteous flourish, the city rejoices. But the guy thought, we got to tell him we're preachers. It'll be a good witness. Now, that got my clothes out in the dirt for an hour. And that stalled us for an hour. And agitated a guard to tell us we should have been a Cortofi Semidelitz, a potato farmer, and done something useful with my life instead of being a preacher. Okay? So sometimes we do stupid things thinking that's the witness. No, the witness is be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove, get where you need to go and let it happen. And if it's supposed to happen at the border, let it happen
1: at the border. But but
0: practice responding to God. Let me continue here. So our relationship with the Holy Spirit is that of a relationship with one who loves us. We practice responding to him in our lives to release his life-giving power in and through us to our world. Mark 16, 19 through 20, reading on. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he spoke to his disciples. He said, these signs are going to follow you who believe. He was received up into heaven. He sat down at the right hand of God. They went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming The word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Those accompanying signs are supposed to be with you, confirming the word. When you go out and you you testimony, have a testimony of being not a son or daughter of disobedience, but a son or daughter of a relationship with God. Talk to everybody as though they know God. And then when they ask about you, invite them to know him more clearly. So we're not motivated by created things. We're expressions of God because we're temples of the Holy Spirit. When we are motivated by Holy Spirit, we become expressions of God that reveal the ministry of Jesus for the work of our Heavenly Father by the giftedness and power of Holy Spirit. It involves a constant responding to Holy Spirit in and through our lives. It's a connection of our spirits to Holy Spirit that empowers our souls to motivate the works of our lives to bring God's supernatural life to our world. So here's what I'm trying to tell us today. You and I individually and corporately are a temple Of Holy Spirit you and I we don't get to decide
1: when that happens it's seven days a week 24 hours a day we were
0: sleeping last night God who lives in us was good with that it's okay your physical body needs to sleep your mind needs to reprocess I'll let you have a few random dreams. Once in a while, I'll intervene and give you one of mine. But I'll let you have a few that just kind of reprogram your internal computer. I'll let your body go into some sleep, that refreshes the cells of your body and keeps you healthy physically. But while you're doing that, Holy Spirit says, I'm going to keep a foot in heaven. I'm going to put a foot in you, metaphorically, And I'm going to draw everything that's in heaven into your spirit while you're sleeping. I'm going to fill your spirit mind with the mind of Christ. And you're going to wake up tomorrow and you're not going to remember any of it. Your soul's not going to know any of it. When asked, what is the mind of Christ, your soul is going to have to honestly say, I don't know. But your spirit knows something. Now, you can live like people in the world and let your soul dominate your spirit. Therefore, making your soul vulnerable to your fleshly desires and believing that the cabin in the woods is more important than the house that God wants to build. Believing that your own opinion is more important than what God thinks. Believing that what you want is more important than what God wants. You can do that by dominating your spirit with your soul and letting your fleshly desires speak to your soul, speak to your thoughts, your reasoning, your imagination, your emotions, your desires, letting your natural environment determine how you feel today, how you think today, and then also becoming vulnerable to an aspect that you cannot see, which the world doesn't even believe exists unless you live in places where they know it exists, meaning spiritual powers that you cannot see, angelic powers that are actually in this room like radio waves, television transmissions, Internet connections. Did you know that this room is filled with radio transmissions? It's nasty. It's wild. It's crazy. If you had the right receiver, a radio, you could tune into polka, for goodness sakes. How oh, how terrible is that? You could tune into rap, you could tune into classic, you could tune into old tunes you could tune into into metal metal rock you could tune into acid rock you could tune into ooh you could tune into country western you could tune into any sound you want you could tune into news oh you could tune into you could tune into conservative news you could tune into liberal news, oh my gosh, this place is Full, full of radio transmissions if we could see them. Oh man, I'd be scared. But I just have to find a receiver just to tap into one. And what would I do? I'd probably get a receiver that taps into the one I like. Tune it, tune it, tune it, tune it. Ah, oh, there it is. till I can clearly hear what I want to hear. Or, sheesh, we live in a world of pictures. Oh, my goodness. We can have pictures. We can tune into pictures in this room right now. They're everywhere. Do you see them? They're everywhere. My, oh, look. There goes Disney right there. My goodness. There's, oh, my, primetime. There he goes. Whoa. there's Fox. Sports. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my. Oh, my. C-SPAN. Oh, goodness. Everything's in here. Look at this. Wow, there's pictures, pictures, videos, movies, shows. Everywhere in this room, if we had a receiver to tune into the frequency, we could we could listen to it, right? And all of those are outside-in frequencies, outside-in frequencies. There's a heaven you can see, blue, thank goodness. It's blue today in the Northwest, the heaven that we can naturally see. The arena that we can see above us right naturally today is blue, clear. Sun is shining. It's a nice day in the Northwest today. Okay, that dimension that's above us, but beyond us, within our reach, but beyond our reach that so we can naturally see is called heaven. Beyond it, we call it heavens. You know, there's also a heaven, a second realm, a second dimension that you cannot see naturally, and it's full of angels, good and bad. And this room is filled with them right now. Angels right now. You can't see them. Some of you can. Some of you can sense them. Some of you can feel them. Some of you are ignorant to them. Some of they've been sleeping right next to you. I have a friend that I visited their house one time, and they they put me in a room above their room in a two story house. They said, "We'll put you in that room on purpose because uh because there's been something that's been visiting me in the night and has sat on my bed and and it just feels lonely and 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 one day I woke up and it was looking at me, and I saw it, and it had black eyes and it looked shocked that I could see it and I was surprised and and it left but i just put you up upstairs just to see if there's anything there cuz i know you're discerning that way so i went in my friend's house and i slept in the bedroom above their bedroom okay and and i slept i slept there and i'm i'm getting ready to go to sleep and sure enough this thing comes and sits on my bed sits right on my bed And it feels lonely. It feels lonely. I don't feel lonely. It feels lonely. And I feel loneliness because it feels lonely. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to have a conversation and say, well, what are you? Where do you come from? No, I just know you don't belong here. This isn't your house maybe it was your house in the past. I don't care. I don't care what theology you have, where you came from or where you are. This ain't your house. You need to go. I just said, you know, you need to go. You need to leave here. This isn't your place. Now, they had just entered into a remodeling project where the place had been vacant for 14 years and they were remodeling and so they were redoing rooms and it stirred up a spirit that was in that place. I'm talking to you reality here. I'm talking to you reality that most people practice ignoring. I'm talking to you because I think that maybe you're at least aware that it could be a possibility. People in the world don't even know it, and they're like puppets on a string maneuvered by that. They feel lonely because some lonely spirit sat on their bed and told them, you feel lonely. I was in another place one time where I couldn't sleep. Why? Because a spirit of insomnia had had decided to live in that place. And why did that spirit of insomnia live there? Because a missionary whose child was diagnosed with leukemia had been living there for months and laid awake every night worrying. And it invited a spirit of insomnia and a spirit of worry to live in that residence. I want to tell you, I talked at Western Washington University a number of years ago. They invited me to teach a religious class via Internet into Jordan. And it was a bunch of Muslims. And I talked to them about this. And they all understood me. Because they all believe it's true. And then I talked to them about the difference between that and Holy Spirit and Jesus and the university professor said you just restored my hope in christianity and you just spoke something to these muslims that gave them hope that christianity might be true that was a lot of years ago but it's because of a spiritual awareness okay so you can have your your soul be influenced from the outside in from those spirits. <laughs> or it can be influenced by your carnal spirit. So the question is, what
1: world do you live in? Do you live
0: the world that you are in? Do you live in the world that you are in? Or you do, li- do you live in the world that you are sent from to the world that you are in?
1: Where's your temple? Whatever you're a temple
0: of is what you'll be a community of. Do you want to know what Bellingham is? What kind of community Bellingham is? It's the community that it's it's a temple of. It's better than it used to be because there's also a temple in this city that's growing that's a temple of Holy Spirit. But the great temple of Bellingham was the life is in the land and the life is in the sea. That's why a whole lot of people aren't even considering going into a place like this today. Why? They're distracted by the life is in the land and the life is in the sea. Can I give you a name for that? Dagon. And you know what Dagon does? Dagon sacrifices his children today for the future of
1: tomorrow. I think they removed it. Did they remove
0: it off the museum down here? You know, the big fish on the side of the museum, you know what that is? That's Dagon. Dagon is the fish god of reproductivity and life that says all life comes from the land and the sea. That's the quality of life of the Northwest. Hey, I love the land, but I don't go out there to get my identity. I get my identity from who lives in me. I'm about done here, but we got to cultivate our relationship with Holy Spirit. I'm trying to challenge you today to say, I want us to leave here today, realizing you're going to go out that door, but you're going to be a carrier of Holy Spirit. Tomorrow morning, when you wake up, you are a temple of Holy Spirit. The question is, are is your spirit going to speak to your soul? that's been spoken to all night by Holy Spirit? Are you going to stir up your spirit in Holy Spirit all day long tomorrow? Are you going to carry that on into Monday night into Tuesday morning, into Tuesday day, into Tuesday night, into Wednesday morning, into Wednesday day, into Wednesday night, into Thursday morning, into Thursday day, into Thursday night, into Friday morning, into Friday day, into Friday night, into Saturday morning, into Saturday day, into Saturday night, it ought to be a hoedown next Sunday when we come on back together. Come on, because we are a wow, 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 you abide in me, you live in me, okay ephesians five see we, so we have to cultivate our relationship with holy Spirit, and we'll, it'll be evidenced with something when we do it okay the proof is we, the proof is in the pudding, ephesians five verse eight, for you were once darkness, but now you are light. In the Lord. <laughs> Walk as children of light. New King James says, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. If you have another version, it might say, for the fruit of light is in goodness, righteousness, and truth. Both is a true statement. Both are versions of Greek text, different versions. One says, the fruit of the spirit the, the fruit of foss, the fruit of light is goodness righteousness and truth the other says the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness righteousness and truth i like the version that says the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness righteousness and truth why do i like that both statements are true but why do i like that because galatians 5 tells me what the fruit of the spirit is it tells me that the fruit of the spirit is
1: love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control.
0: That's pretty clear? Now, all of those things are fruit of the Spirit. None of those things are a discipline of the flesh. Love is a fruit not a discipline of the flesh. Now, because it's a fruit, it's also demonstrated in your actions, but it's a fruit before it's an action. And it's a fruit that makes the
1: action real. It's a fruit that doesn't allow
0: the action to be a hypocrite. But it's an action that doesn't allow the fruit to be fake. I'll say that again. It's a fruit that doesn't allow the action to be a hypocrite. But it's an action that doesn't allow the fruit to be fake. Joy is the same. Peace is the same. Long-suffering is the same. Long-suffering. Oh, I don't need long-suffering. I'd rather have a world where there isn't any of that. Patience, long-suffering stuff? doesn't say love, joy, peace, short suffering. (laughs) Love, joy, peace, sometimes suffering. Love, joy, peace, seldom suffering. Kindness, it's a fruit. Goodness, it's a fruit. Goodness to me, no goodness from you. Goodness, faithfulness, faithishness.
1: No, faithfulness.
0: Faithfulness. How faithful are you? It's a fruit before it's an action. It's an action that demonstrates the fruit's not fake. It's a fruit that demonstrates the action's not a hypocrite. I'm faithful. (laughs) I wonder if anything has to happen that's the opposite to prove that it's real. Gentleness. Gentleness. Self-control. Whoa, 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 it's a fruit. What? Oh, my goodness, I thought it was suck on persimmons, be miserable, discipline of the flesh. (laughs) Self-control. I want to kill him. No, it's a fruit. Okay, That means the secret is indulgence in a relationship with your friend. The secret is to realize he lives in you. You live in him. He's come to you. He's coming to you. He's coming to you. He's coming to you. He lives in you. You live in him. You're a temple of Holy Spirit. This is really good news. You're a temple of Holy Spirit. It happens in goodness, righteousness, and truth. The reason I like the fruit better than the light is because I sometimes define my darkness as light. How do I know it's my light? I start killing people with it. And light of God never kills anyone. We sang a song, and I agree with it. But something in me says there's even more. It was a wonderful song. I've sung it many, many times. Uh, He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to flee. You know, I like that. It tries to flee. and trembles at sight. It does, it does. But you know what? Darkness doesn't really flee. Darkness becomes light. In this same chapter, it says when we confess, when we bring things to the light, it becomes light.
1: God's world, Knows no darkness. But we pray, our Father, Father, our Father,
0: in heaven, come on, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know how it is in heaven? perfect. When Jesus came to the earth,
1: you know how it was in heaven? Perfect.
0: Before Jesus came, do you know how it was in heaven? Perfect. Everything that was not a witness of God in heaven had been cast out in the heaven that counted. And then man gave Authority to a second heaven level that was really man's realm. Jesus came to fix that part
1: from the third heaven part.
0: (laughs) Jesus didn't come to fix his world. He came to fix your world and my world. Our problem wasn't where are we going to go when we die. Our problem was what we were doing with what we have in this life. Okay. So, good news, you're a temple of Holy Spirit. I am hoping, I'm challenging you today to realize this wonderful, wonderful thing of Holy Spirit in your life. So, try to be goodness. You'll know it's real because the fruit of the Spirit will be there. If the fruit's not there, then something in you is not good. It doesn't matter if you're in a it doesn't matter if you're in a workplace that's bad your outside environment can't change your internal reality but your internal reality can change your external environment that's what you've been sent to do that's what you're an ambassador of you're a citizen of heaven, but you've been given a green card you get to work in earth <laughs> you've been given you're you're a resident alien. You've been given a work visa to stay on planet Earth. Otherwise, let's just get out of here. But there's some stuff to do. His kingdom needs to come. His will needs to be done. If the fruit's not there, there's something in you that's not good. There's something in you that's not true. Or there's something in you that's not right. The fruit of the Spirit is in goodness, righteousness, and truth. Well, say,
1: I know. America is
0: so bad. And now when I start manifesting the flesh, yeah, America is bad.
1: And so is everything that's disconnected from God.
0: <laughs> Europe's bad. My my yard disconnected disconnected from me. My yard's bad. It's a place for weeds to grow, disconnected from me. But when I'm in it, poo, weeds get pulled. I'm going to pray. I'm going to say we're going to cultivate our relationship with God. It's going to increase our manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit if you don't remember anything today, just from Galatians 5:22, get that out this week. Look at what the fruit is and say, hmm, is that manifesting today? Hmm, no, I need a sign to follow me. Maybe I need some new tongues today. Uh, maybe I need to lay hands on somebody. Maybe I need to be a giver of life today. Maybe I need to live for somebody else today. Or maybe I just need to do that until life happens. And then you should also grow in cultivating a relationship that manifests the charisma of the Holy Spirit. That is life-giving knowledge, life-giving wisdom, life-giving discernment, life-giving faith, life-giving miracles, life-giving healing, life-giving prophecy, God speaks, life happens, life-giving tongues, life-giving interpretation of tongues. All those things say Jesus is Lord. None of those things are about information. None of those things are about information. Tongues is not about information. Prophecy is not about information. Interpretation of tongues is not about information. It's a play it again, Sam. Oh, we didn't all understand that. Say it again in words we understand so our spirit can hear it. Because It doesn't matter if your head hears it. You don't need you don't need Eight charismas that are transformational, and then one little charisma that's informational because the one charisma gift is the one we don't like.
1: Do you understand what I just said? Okay, we don't,
0: a lot of the church doesn't like tongues because it's weird to them. Might be true for you. I'm not singling anybody out. But I'm saying if you don't express tongues, at least express something foolish. And don't say it's not for you. It's not for you. It's a charisma of the Holy Spirit. It's not yours. It belongs to the Holy Spirit. You weren't given, you weren't given charismas of the Holy Spirit. You were given Holy Spirit. Read Acts 2 because you were given a Doria, not a charisma. You were given the gratuity of Holy Spirit. And he happens to be very charismatic. And he happens to manifest in a way that works with you. So maybe he won't speak, he won't manifest in that charisma of the mystery language as often through you as prophecy. But he's going to manifest in his character that matches your character, who you are. So the charismas are not yours. You can take and try to use them, and he'll even, you can even fake it. I know plenty that do. I've been around a long time. It's not my first rodeo. I've been around 50 years. I've watched people cast out demons, heal the sick in the name of Jesus. And Jesus would say, hey, who are you? Because it's not about power, guys. It's about relationship. It's about realizing we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. So I'm praying. (laughs) I said I was. I'm praying now. Hey, Holy Spirit, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are God. You are the most ignored of all the Godhead, but the most present. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I want to practice. I want to be better than a doctor. I want to be a practitioner of a relationship with you. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing, but you are in me. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. You made this possible. You demonstrated that you could physically be a helper. You can be God in flesh. You did that with your disciples. You were God with them. And you want to be God with us too. But you made it possible for greater things to happen than that. Greater things than just you, the one as the helper in the room. You made it possible for everyone who knows you as a helper to have a helper inside of them, the Holy Spirit, you, Holy Spirit. And all of this is because you, our Father, are holy. (laughs) You, our Father, are a giver of life. You, our Father, are not someone who needs anything from us. You didn't come to get our world to give you something. You came to give us everything that's in your world so that our world becomes a testimony of your kingdom comes a testimony of your will. So, Father, thank you. I envision you some way, somehow I envision you. Jesus, I envision you at the right hand of the Father, but Holy Spirit, you abide in me. And just like Jesus said to the disciples, if you see Jesus, you saw the Father, would you help us grow in this relationship so that when People see us, they see you, Holy Spirit, they see you, Jesus, they see you, Father. Holy Spirit, help us practice this, help us practice. Let's go out of this room today, let's go home, let us do practical everyday things. You love that kind of stuff. Just like Jesus loved to go to the beach and jump in the water with his friends, you don't mind going to the beach with us today, jumping in the water with us as friends but you also live in us so that even the shadow of our lives can heal sick people so that our hands can heal sick people so that our, uh, our voices can cause deceptive things to lift anchor and set sail so that we have an anointing oil that comes from the inside of us that breaks every stronghold of every enemy that we become ambassadors of life to bring life to our world, Help us this week to practice responding to you, Holy Spirit. Help us to look for fruit, recognize it when we see it, say thank you. Help us to recognize words of wisdom from you, words of knowledge from you. Help us to be life givers. Don't help us be empowered to be proud or empowered to be independent. Just help us to know this love thing. This wonderful gift has been given to us that's growing and growing and growing in Jesus'
1: name. Amen.